Welcome to Momentum Church. This weekend, we know we're leading into July 4th, and, and we're going to be celebrating the freedoms that we have as a nation. How many is thankful for that? Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> but I really wanted to lean in this weekend on being free. Um, I'm looking at the idea of spiritual freedom, all right? And um, we've been doing this series called Be the Church. And I think one mark of being the church is a people who are not satisfied staying in bondage. All right? A people who don't make excuses for their sins. A people who say, I know there are things in my past that want to hold me back. But you know what? The blood of Jesus has an answer for those things. I feel like I'm in a room full of people that are ready to understand a little bit more about this today, amen? And so we're talking on July 4th weekend about sin. Come on, somebody. How many sinners do we have in the house? Uh, no, I should, my dad would have hated that. My dad would say, I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace, you know? And so he'd say, don't you call me a sinner. So I won't, I won't call you sinners. Let me just say, how many sin in the house? All right, almost everybody raised their hand except the one that's a liar, and, they, and guess what? That's a sin. So every single person in here at times, we've dealt with things, but there are things about sin that if we don't get taken care of, they will result in us moving back toward acting like a slave to sin. And the price paid for your freedom is way too high, way too good for us to be satisfied living as slaves. Shall be free. And so I want to look at this today because so many times we're overcome or we're overtaken by sin. And the thing with it is there's a start to it. Where does it start? And the problem is there's a start, but the end is fallout. You never expect it to go where it goes. You never expect the relationship that it hurts. You never expect the integrity that's lost. You never expect the, the, the things that, that define who you are, how those things can be lost as you begin to move in toward sin. And God's called us to be free. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect, amen? But we ought to be free. And, and yesterday I was on the trail running. Man, it was hot yesterday. As soon as I got off the trail, I had a message. You have to call us. And it was a, a family that don't come here very much, but I know them for years. And, and basically, I call, and long story short, the man had allowed himself, he allowed himself, catch me, to get into an adulterous relationship. Now, mind you, signs of this relationship, or signs of the attitude that leads to infidelity, were all around over a year and a half, two years ago. And counsel and pushing and prodding by friends, family, spouse, all those things at times were almost scoffed at. No, no, I don't have a problem. There's nothing. No, 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 no. And yesterday it all came to a head as that thing blew up. Do you think that man a year and a half ago had the intentions to follow into being a slave to sin to the degree that he's this close to losing his marriage? No, not at all. It's a progress that gets us to a place that takes our freedom, if you will. But we are culpable in the middle of it. Amen? Just because you have a broken past, just because you have pain and, and, and things that are, 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 are damaged in the past, 
that doesn't mean that you have an out to allow that broken, damaged thing in the past to cause you to live broken and damaged today. Now, I, I, I have compassion, and you'll need help, and it makes it more difficult the more brokenness and damage that there is, but I'm just telling you right now, we have the responsibility to be walking the freedom that Christ has called us to walk in. So I, I'm going to title today's sermon, and, um, and it, I like this title, all right? Is that okay if I like some of the titles I come up with? And so the title of today's sermon is Killing Your Lion While It's Still a Kitten. Meow. Kill your lion while it's still a kitten. In other words, unleash vengeance upon anything in our lives that has a destructive or diminishing quality to it. Anything. Like, like just having a vengeance against the things that try to bind us, that take us back. And I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, and, and we see all throughout Scripture, both old and new, person after person, things start small and they grow into bigger things that consume, right? Even one of the best, Peter. I love Peter. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, the devil wishes to sift you. And I'm looking at you today saying when it comes to matters of sin, left unchecked, the devil wishes to sift you. But God has called you to be free. But the enemy wants to sift. What does sift mean? How many here has ever made a, a, a cake and you got the sifter out? I have never done that. But you're shaking it and things are coming out, right? To sift. The enemy wishes to separate you from all that God intends for you to have and be. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's what Jesus was warning Peter. He desires, the devil does, to separate and divide you from God's power, his peace, and his provision. And he'll do everything he can. And here's the thing. The devil's been at this destructive and diminishing game long, long time, right? And he knows that if he shows you a life separated from God's power, peace, and provision, you're not going to bite, right? My friend a year and a half ago, he wasn't going to bite if he saw what was happening today. So that's not how the enemy works. Not at all. No, no, no. He begins by causing potentially destructive and diminishing elements to look harmless and appealing. Oh, it's a cute little lion cub. Isn't a sweet little lion? Oh, nibbled my, nibbled my finger. Oh, my goodness. What a sweet little lion. You know, you're just loving on this thing, right? But that's how it works. That's how he works. It comes in like that. Oh, isn't he cute, you know? But listen, you're holding that thing. And the problem is deep down on the inside of that thing that you think you have control of. Deep down on the inside of that thing that, they're, that, that you think is so cute, you know? You make excuses for it. You, you laugh about it. You, you don't even blush anymore about it. And those things, there's a lion waiting to rear its powerful, powerful head and open its mighty jaws and tear into life that you have with a destructive and diminishing force that will leave you separated from all that God intended you to have and all that God intended you to be. Amen? And I just to tell you yesterday when I got that message and I was just, I'm tired of it. I am tired of seeing Christian marriages end in divorce because we're playing with little lions. I, I'm tired of seeing Christians living in premeditative sin, acting as if it's just not that big a deal. Grace, grace, God's grace. I get God's grace, but God's grace has separated you because God has better plans for you. And he separates you to himself. 
And we allow these small things to come in and begin to take from us what God intends for us. Man, it just makes me angry. Not at you, not at those struggling with sin. It makes me angry at the enemy. I'm just tired of seeing that. Some, some things that people are dealing with are blatant sins, but, but often they're not. They're just life choices that you know destroy and diminish God's full plan for your life. I won't go into those details, but when I was 300 pounds, it wasn't all cute little, little, it was all burritos. <laughs> was I going to go to hell for eating a burrito? No, I just was going to go to heaven in a bigger casket. <laughs> Shut up. But for 15 years, man, all that food was calling out my name, you know? And it was all speaking to me. And I've told you before, I don't know what it is about things that in and O's, Doritos, Fritos, Ho-Ho's. <sighs> Be careful the O's, that's all I'm saying. But the, so I'm not saying like gross sin, I'm just saying things that we allow in our lives that take from us, it could be just things like that. For some of you, the devil has you nurturing feelings of worthlessness, and you, you, you nurture that feeling of worthlessness. And it keeps you separated or sifted from God's best. For many in the room, especially our young people, you're being swallowed up by modern relativism. You know, that whole idea that there's no absolute truths. And what you perceive is what you perceive. And it's good for you. What I perceive is... If I come down here and punch Matt right in the face, wouldn't do that. Right? And then I punch him. That's... An absolute blow. No, buddy, I'm sorry. What you're feeling is just your perception. <laughs> no. In the world, we are getting blow by blow by blow by the enemy, amen, when it comes to this idea of relativism. And actually, if you want two weeks from this Sunday, I'm preaching on Be Ready as a church. That's the last one in the series, Be Ready. And it's on the end times, and we're going to be covering a lot of stuff that we see in our world today that is pointing to the end times, all right? So don't miss that Sunday. That was an ad. All right. <laughs> and so the devil, he has had his time long enough, right? I just like, like I, I don't want to see him destroy one more family, one more person. I don't want to see him diminish one more young person. And so let's look at the word of God and see how we can find some preventative Things, some things that will keep us from allowing those kittens in our life to become lions. Let's stand to our feet, guys. I like to stand when we read God's word for the first time just to honor God's word. And so Psalm 91, verse 9 through 16, and I know for many in this room, you're like, that's my favorite passage. It's so good. It's so good. And as we read what you're going to see, intertwined and mixed in with God's provisions and protections, you're going to see potentially dangerous things, okay? Guess what? That's life. That's life. Even for the believer, you're living your life, but there's always potentially dangerous things. God doesn't take us out of the world. He just begins to take the world out of us, all right? And so that's what we're going to see as we read this, because God has a plan of prevention. Psalm 91 it says, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. Here's where I get my sermon title. You ready? The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Everybody say young lion. Young lion. 
Do you catch that? It doesn't say this full-grown, ferocious beast of an animal. It says the young lion you shall trample underfoot. Why? For 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I'll deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, allow us to leave this place with tools and resources, Lord, to stay strong in the midst of sin, to understand the wiles and trickery of the enemy, Lord God, to get a better picture of who we are in you and who you are as our God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys can have your seats. And so we can see in the passage of Scripture that we want to kill our lions while it's still a kitten, while it's still a young lion. That's verse 13. Something we see in verse 9 and verse 14, both of those verses start with the word because. Because, say because. Anytime you're reading scripture and you come across because, that be, or I'll say because, that is a cause to pause. All right? You know you want to say it, cause to pause. It's a cause to pause. So anytime you see the word because in scripture, stop. Slow down. All right? And see what that cause means. All right? And so when you see this, what it's pointing to is why can no evil befall you? Why no plague come nigh you? Why do the angels bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone? Why do you have the ability to trample the young lions? Here it is. It says, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. That's why. Amen? There's that relationship with God. Then it goes on, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. All right? And so we can see these because there's, there's a solution to all the things that we deal with. I'll say with sin, and I know Jesus covers that. His blood wipes out the penalty of sin. I get it. But man, as we begin to move forward and take care of those little kittens, and next thing you know, things get to be bigger, and we start to see the penalty of sin in a sense. I'm not saying eternity. I'm saying right now, brokenness, more damage, more pain being separated from God's best, sifted from God's best. So what I want to look at a couple things in here that we need to do so that we might be able to unleash vengeance on those young lions in our lives that have potential to destroy and diminish God's plan for us. I want to look at that. We're going to go to verse 14 and slow down, all right? It says this. This is the first thing you got to catch. Because he has set his love upon me. Do you catch that? His love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. This isn't somebody who is just playing around with the relationship with God. This is somebody who has set their love upon God. And so when we set our love upon something, we give our affection to something, it begins to lead us, right? I want to say, what is leading you? What's pulling you? What are you setting your love upon? What's captivating your attention? I'll make it really a simple question that you can ask yourself this week. Whose leash am I on? Whose leash am I on? Because whatever you set your love upon, your attention, your focus, your dedication, and your passion, that's, that's setting your love. Whoever you do that with, that is what will grow in your life, and that is what will control you. Whose leash are you on? And when I was a kid, <laughs> I love this. I'm a dog guy. I love dogs. When I was a kid, I had a dog named Grizzly. And um, Grizzly, man, Grizzly lived to be like 18 years old, man. Yeah, amazing. 
And um, my dad was, you know, he never had to get on me about walking Grizz, never had to get on me about feeding Grizz. But next thing I know, I start dating Amy Deans. And I had to get out of the house as quick as I could to go see that girl. And I'd come home and dad would say, did you feed Grizz? Oh, I forgot to free, feed Grizz. I'm sorry, Amy kissed a lot better than Grizz. <laughs> I'd come home the next day. Did you get him fed? And my dad was always like, I- I'll let that dog starve to death if you don't feed him. That's your dog. I will not give him water. He- he'll die. It'll be because of you, you know. And um, <clears throat> that's why I told you he lived to 18 years. I didn't want you to think I-, I killed my dog. But the thing was, the truth of the matter is, my love, my attention had turned all to this little five-foot-tall brunette, brown-eyed girl. And because of that, it- she captivated me. And I lost focus on everything else, including this dog that had been with me since I was 10 years old, you know. My focus had changed. My love was set upon another. I was on Amy's leash. Amen? And I'm still on her leash all these years later, right? (laughs) So if you're going to kill your kitten before he becomes a lion, you've got to get a renewed focus on God. I'm telling you right now, If you are finding yourself becoming bound to sin, I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, whose leash am I on? Where's my focus? What's captivating my attention? And be real honest with yourself. Don't make excuses. Be real honest with yourself. Where's my focus at right now? All right? So if you're going to kill your kitten before he becomes a lion, you've got to get a renewed focus on God. Why? Because whatever captivates your focus will eventually captivate your life. Do you guys remember the movie Bugs Life from years ago? And you had that one firefly, and it's flying, and there's the, the bug zapper, and it's just like all enamored by the light of the bug zapper. I can't help myself. It's so beautiful. Psst. Remember that? Yeah. What are you focusing on? Because whatever you focus on will captivate your life. And so that's that first thing. You've got to set your love upon God. I mean, really set your love upon God. I'm not talking about some half-hearted dedication or some weak attempt at looking spiritual. No, no, no. This isn't about other people. This is about you and him. Setting your focus upon him and your love upon him. I'm not saying living a life where you're in the church on Sunday and at the zoo on Monday, if you understand what I mean. On Sunday, I look right, but the rest of the day of the week, I look wild. Or I'm letting those things that the enemy wants to sift me be overlooked or taken care of or not dealt with. I'm talking about drawing near to God so that he might draw near to you. I'm talking about drawing near to him that as he draws near to you, he begins to deliver you up out of the lion's pit that will try to destroy you, that diminish you. That's what I'm saying, setting your love upon God, being a people sold out. Amen? If we want freedom in Jesus completely for life, It comes with a focus on God and being dedicated and sold out to him. And I know you might be saying, but Pastor Ross, I've done that and I'm still struggling. We're going to get there. Amen? Hang in. Don't count. Don't don't, don't, don't check out yet. All right? There are three things that we see in verse 14. We're just seeing the first one, okay? That we can see that will help us overcome the things that we want to put us back into bondage. And that first one we just saw, set your love upon God. Focus. That's the first one is focus. The second thing we see in verse 14 deals with position. Say position. Psalm 91.14. First, he set his love upon me. Focus. Focus. 
Therefore, I'll deliver him. Second, I will set him on high. There's a positional change in your life when you become a believer. Amen? I mean, sometimes you got to remind yourself. Sometimes you got to remind the enemy. Sometimes you got to remind friends. I'm not who I used to be. I'm somebody new. I've been set apart. I've went from guilty to innocent, from unrighteous to righteous, from not, not living, living all crazy and wild to being sanctified. What's that mean? Set apart as holy unto God. I've been set apart. Sometimes you got to remind yourself and remind others. You've been set on high. You need to be sold out because God has brought you out. That's why we, we sell out to God. That's why we give him all our focus. He's brought us out of slavery. He took the leash off and he set us free. But often we look as believers, especially after we've been saved a long time, we forget what sin does. We forget how it took everything from us at one time. We forget. I think that's why like, like crackheads make great, great Christ followers. Because they remember what it was once like to be bound. Amen? We need more crackheads in here. Mm. You're like, Ross, we got a bunch already. I know. I know, and I'm thankful for it. (laughs) Sold out to God because he he elevated us to a place that is high, that is separate, that is different. He took us from bondage to freedom, from darkness to light. He lifted you up out of sin, elevating you to a position of being the master over sin in your life. Not, Not the other way around, not the one that's to be controlled and led by sin, no. To be the master of sin. And so if you're going to kill your kitten before he becomes a lion, you've got to understand who you are in Jesus. He has set you on high. That's who you are in Christ. You're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Amen? All that Jesus has, his power, his authority, has been given to you as as sons and daughters of the Lord. That's who you are. And so we've got to begin to remind ourselves. And the thing is, the world is always going to take who you are lightly. They're, they're They're going to be like making excuses all the time for loose living, you know? Well, you can't help yourself. You're just human. No, I'm not. Yeah, I know I'm human, but I'm the righteousness of God. That means I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means like I'm a human that this earth has never seen before. That's who you are. Begin to remind yourself, get yourself on a high place. I'm not saying being high-minded. I'm saying being biblically-minded and know who you are, who he has lifted you out. Because the world takes lightly loose living, but you're not the world. You are the redeemed. You've been bought with a price. You've been separated to God. You are called, because you're the redeemed, to rule and reign. That's what you've been called to do. Over all those young lions that attempt to make their way into your life. Not to make excuses for them, but to find who you are standing in that high place. And you rule and reign over those things that are trying to sift you from God's best. And so God wants to set you on high. He wants to position you in a place of increased possible victory. How many hunters do we have in here? How many hunters? How many, I like to bow hunt. I did before I hurt this arm years ago. And how many ever ground hunt? Yeah, stalking. Oh my gosh, there's nothing like it. To be on the ground stalking a deer. So exciting. I never kill one like that. But it's exciting. I've killed a bunch from an elevated position. Amen. He has set you on high. As long as you're satisfied living down here, it's going to be hard for you to get your victory. 
But when you begin to remind yourself who you are in Jesus and begin to realize, man, I've been set on high. Those young lions ain't got a chance. Come on. Amen? God puts you in a place of elevated um, a, a place of elevation to give you that potential for greater victory. And he wants to set you on high. And so you'll be more successful in killing your line if you'll realize that God has placed you in a high position. So focus and position, that's starting to know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, get in the word. Start realizing who you are. I'll tell you, read Romans, man. Romans chapter 8, incredible. It will tell you who you are in Jesus, amen? Get in the word, get it in you. The third thing that we see in this passage, so everybody say focus, say position. The third thing we see, if we're going to deal with these young lions in our life, is revelation. Say revelation. God says, I will set him on high. Here's another because. Why are you going to be set on high? It's not because you're all that. It says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. It's because he's all that. And when you're set on high because that you know his name, you got a revelation of who God is, it'll cause you to live a little higher. It'll cause you to live differently. It'll cause you not to stop making excuses for sin in your life. You know, my God's a holy God, and I'm going to walk after him in a holy way. My God's a God of peace, and I'm not going to tolerate this torment anymore in my life. Amen? My God, and you get a picture of who God is, and because of that, it places you even higher in a position of potential victory. When it says, because he has known my name, a name, always in Scripture, characterizes who a person is. It characterizes all that God is. And God is that God of peace, that God of victory, that God of deliverance. He's a God that's holy, a God that's righteous. That's who you're in covenant with. That's who you're in agreement with, Amen. And so the realization of who God is and who you are in him, it elevates you and positions you for freedom. I'm going to read that one more time because I don't want you to miss it. I will set him on high because he has known my name. I'm going to set my love upon God. Focus. I'm going to realize who I am in Christ. Position. And the enemy is going to fight you on that position. This is where he reminds you of your past. This is where he reminds you of other friends' failures. They couldn't get by, so how can I get by? They couldn't get over, so how can I get over? Maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just a lie that you're buying into. Something that you know God has promised to you, and you can't get a hold of it. And the enemy just comes with lie after lie. And that little lie starts to get bigger and bigger to where now it feels like a controlling lion in your life, robbing and sifting you from the truth of what God is saying in your life. It may not even be sin. It could be a lie, if that makes sense. But all I'm saying is you have that idea of focus, position, and then that revelation of who God is as he sets us on high. I want to go back to a little bit to the, the, the position thing. Um, my dad was really big on just trying to push into my life that you are a young man of God. And, and in that, he would tell me things like, you're not an animal. Animals can't control their urges. You're the righteousness of God. You're the seed of Abraham, you know. You can control your urges. You're not an animal. Don't be an animal. Unleash vengeance upon anything that could begin to take away and make you just, I can't help this. It's just my instincts, just who I am. No, no, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Like my dad would tell me, you're not an animal. Act like a young man. Act like a man of God. And I would say the same. Know who you are and have your eyes on who God is. And you watch what happens. Dad was trying to teach me to be a spiritual person and to unleash vengeance upon anything that could try to destroy or diminish me going into my next years of life. 
In 2 Corinthians, Paul begins to speak to, to the, the young believers there in Corinth. And this is what he says in verse 5 and 6. Because every time you try to elevate yourself in the sense, or you allow God to elevate you in the sense that you're changing your thinking, you're trying to get higher thoughts about who you are, you're trying to get revelation about who God is and keep that before you. Every time the enemy brings arguments against that. Every time. Because he's trying to pull you back down to the place of excuses. He, he's trying to pull you back down to the place of maybe shame. He's trying to pull you back down to the place of, 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 of just feeling like you need to give up in this area. And so what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, cast down every high thing. Do you catch that? Every high thing. These are the things that are in elevated positions that the enemy tries to keep over our life that if we give advantage to, they eventually will control us. These are the high things. Remember how important high things are? And it says, cast down those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring every thought. What is your thoughts? The thoughts that you have are your seedbed of action. When you have thoughts, what you meditate on, what you focus on, becomes what you walk into. It's your seedbed of action. So it's saying, cast down those lies, pick up the truth of who you are in Jesus, pick up the truth of who the Lord is, who God is that you serve, and everything else cast down. And when you begin to do that and those lies come, they'll begin to be replaced, and your actions will follow suit. They'll look like the actions of the righteous, not those that are being led into what the enemy would love for your life. And so it says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When do we punish disobedience? When our obedience is fulfilled? It's when we cast down those thoughts. It's when we do what the scripture is telling us to do. And so if it's a thought, then guess what? It's a choice. Don't miss that. Please get out of your vernacular, I can't help myself. Now, I know it feels that way. And I'm not saying the little choice you make right now is going to wholesale change everything. All right? But it starts with a little choice. You guys have heard me preach years ago that seed is amazing. Seed's amazing. I'm going to say this because it's not in the sermon, but I think somebody needs to hear it. Seed is a little magical thing that within it holds a harvest. All right? And because of that, we don't take no thought of the seed. Eh, it's just a seed. Let me give you an example. Let's say it's lust you're dealing with. And that little seed is turning your head away from something you know is going to peak lust in your mind. Well, it's not that big a deal. It's just a Coke billboard. You know, she's pretty much clothed. Okay, but you know where that takes your brain. And so that turning the head it may not seem like a big deal, but it's a seed. And the harvest that comes is greater restraint. The, harder, the harvest that comes is greater strength, amen? Or you go the opposite way. It's a little seed, not a big deal. And you move into that little seed, and the harvest that comes is greater addiction. Does that make sense? You can't control the addiction, and you can't control the outcome trying to get strength. What you can control is seed. That's what you control. This whole sermon is about that, really. The seed you can control is where's your focus today? The seed you control, what word, what are you putting into you to change your thinking about who you are? Because the lies the enemy's telling you, those aren't, that's not who you are. What, what are you doing to get a greater revelation from God? You know? What are you doing? Those are seeds. Those are seeds. And they reap a harvest of freedom. Amen? Let me find where I'm at here. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so just kind of clarifying all this. Will you get sold out and focus every aspect of your life on the things of God? Will you do that? Will you determine to see yourself as one who is in covenant with God, elevated to rule and reign in life by punishing all disobedience? Or, here's the choice, right? Or will you continue to practice those things that will allow your sweet little kitten to become the ravenous beast that will eventually destroy and diminish you? It's your choice to be free or to be on a leash. God wants you free, amen? But it's our choice. In verse 14, we can see how to get victory over the young lions in our life. But how is it that we end up being overcome by these young lions in the first place? We, I kind of flipped the sermon in a sense in that I've kind of showed you the solution. And now I want to go back and kind of take a few minutes to show you how we get to that place where that young lion can destroy. Is that okay if we do it that way today? And so I want to talk about three potentially fatal pet care habits. <sighs> Uh, there are things you don't want to do with animals, right? Like, like you would never take a bath with a bathtub full of piranhas. Not going to do it, right? You're not going to put on a state costume and go to a dog fight. No, no, not going to do it. If you're wearing a boa, it needs to be a boa of feathers, not a boa. These are horrible jokes. But you got to remember I'm a dad, so sometimes I got to throw some dad jokes in. But equally dangerous to our lives, we do things that are spiritually dangerous pet care habits. And I want to walk through these. The first thing that we'll find ourselves doing is this. You try to tame your tiger. Down, Simba. Right? And the devil has you blinded, and you find yourself saying things like this. I have this under control. Sit. Stand up. I have this under control. You find yourself saying things like, I only do this in moderation. Remember what I said about casting down high arguments, vain arguments that try to raise themselves above? All these things we're talking about, they're high arguments. And, 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 and you can just ask, I just forgot their names, Siegfried and Roy, how well that works, taming your tiger. Years and years and years and years of thinking that tiger was tamed, and he lost his life. We've got to be careful taming our tiger. And as I said, when you find yourself, if you're hearing yourself say, I have this under control, you're trying to tame your tiger. It's not, it, it, it's in moderation, you're trying to tame, tame your tiger. Amen? Does that make sense? Number two, I'm not sure if these are progressive, but maybe, maybe. You begin to lie to your lion. You begin to lie to your lion. You're not that bad. You're not that bad. The little lion now is about this big. You're not that, you're, you're not that bad. You're not that big. That's a big old lion. You're not that big. Or how about this one? The neighbor down the street's lion is meaner and bigger and badder than my lion. Don't we love doing that when we lie to our lion? Their issue is, this issue here is not life controlling. Their issue is. You know, we always have a lot more grace for the stuff that we're going through than other people are going through. And so with that, you begin to lie to your lion. And we have all seen these pictures, these videos, where there's a Land Rover out in Africa. And the guys are like, I'm trying to get a picture of this here lion. I'm trying to get a picture of it. I, got, I, I know what I'll do. I'll get out of the truck so I can get a better picture. And they get back out there, and now they're taking a picture. And next thing you know, the lion's chasing after him. I saw one of these. It was a cheetah. And man, that guy 
ran up the hood of the truck and dived through the roof back into his Land Rover. He's lying to his lion. This is a wild thing. This is something that can destroy you. Stop lying to your lion. The final one is you start caring for your kitten. You care for it. You got to that place where you're nurturing those elements in your life that have destructive and diminishing qualities. You're just caring for them. And when you get to that place, you'll hear people who are beginning to care for their kitten. They'll voice arguments, high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. They'll voice arguments that sound like this. Who do they think you are telling me, or they are telling me how to live? They might voice things like, I thought Christians weren't supposed to judge. Yeah, we are. Other believers, not in an ugly way, in a restorative, exhortive way. Or this is how I've always been. Or my people are just, my people are just violent people. Well, stop being violent. I was told that my great-great-grandfather killed seven men. Well, my people are just violent. My granddad was violent. My dad was violent until he got delivered by the Holy Ghost. Amen? I can be violent, but I'm not. Because I didn't make excuses for it. Amen? Amen? This is how I was born. How about I can still be a Christian and do that? You know, ooh, let's think about that statement. I can still be a Christian and do that. Is that really how we want to live our Christian life to the lowest denominator? I could be a Christian and still do that. Maybe, maybe, I, but how, for how long? I don't know. How much sifting will happen as we allow that little lion to become something larger in our lives? How much? I don't know. Huh. And it's just playing a game. And, and every one of us, man, remember the days when you'd watch the crocodile hunter and that guy was playing with all the animals and you were just like, oh my gosh, ew, look at that. It's a pit of vipers. Oh, he's a mad one, isn't he? Crikey. Oh, he's getting a bit mad. You know, and it's like every one of us knew. Every one of us knew. And I'm not trying to be light. I love that guy. I love Steve Irwin. And every one of us knew, this isn't going to go good for this man. Over the long haul, too many opportunities, too many chances, too much playing around with violent, wild critters that, yes, you can love, but too comfortable. And eventually, it took his life. That's how it is. You know, just that idea of caring for the kitten as it is nurtured, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more consuming and more consuming. And we've all seen video clips of of, of people too close to the edge of the water playing around with alligators, and they get bit. Reaching down into the water, trying to pet a shark. That dude, he deserved to lose his thumb. I'm just telling you. Go look it up. It's like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? I'm trying to pet a, a shark. <laughs> 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 really clears it up. It says, be sober, be vigilant. That, that means be self-controlled. In other words, you have a choice. It's your choice to be self-controlled. It's, it's not, I will make you sober spiritually. I will make you self-controlled. No, be, you, be self-controlled. Make a choice. But I don't have the strength. We'll get to that right before we finish. I've tried. We'll get to that. But be self-controlled. Be vigilant or watchful. Like be mindful of what's going on in your life because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
Just remember, as we close, the devil is like a roaring lion, but we are the ones who make the choice to feed and nurture his destructive and diminishing elements in our lives to the point that that young lion becomes the ravenous beast that the enemy wants to use to destroy. Amen? And so will you stop taming your tiger? Stop lying to your tiger or stop lying to your lion. Will you stop going through life caring for your kitten? Or will you start to look at that and realize, man, this is trying to separate me from God. This is trying to separate me from all that God has for me. This is trying to put me back in bondage, and God has called me to be free. Where are you at with that? And and, and it's not about engaging your willpower either, all right? You've set your focus on God and who he is. And you embrace that you are called to rule and reign in life because of him. All right? It's not you just, no, no, you're setting your heart upon God. God will help you kill your lion while it's still a kitten. God will place you on the right end of the leash regarding the things that are trying to control you. Amen? And you say this. You say, Pastor, I can't. I've tried. I can't. Again, I, I just say one more time, it's not about willpower. It finishes Psalm 91 like this. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. If you're struggling with sin right now, just an area of sin, you know, I'm not going to have you raise your hand or anything. I just want you to hear that. You're not alone. You're not on your own. He will be there in the midst of your trouble. But it says, he shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I think that's turning that focus to God. I think that's getting yourself in that place where he is at the forethought of your mind. When you get up, when you go through your day, when you're struggling with temptation, I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him. In other words, I'm going to set him apart from the thing that's trying to hold him in bondage. I'll deliver him and I'll honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him. And I will show him my salvation. Amen? I'll show him my freedom. I'll show him my victory. And so just close your eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning and you've been dealing with issues of sin, small or large. And again, it may be you've been dealing with an issue of a lie that is trying to diminish you. It may not be sin, but it's that enemy's work, that small thing that keeps getting bigger and bigger that robs you of peace. That's you right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask, Lord God, that you would make yourself known to my friends. Give them a deeper revelation of who you are, what you're capable of. Give them a deeper understanding, Lord, of the position that you've placed them in. Seated with you in heavenly places. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that he has, Lord, remind them everything you have, it's at their disposal. Let them set their love upon you in a powerful way, I pray, Jesus. And allow us, Lord, to move forward in greater freedom so that we can be your church. You want your church free. Help us be your church. Help us be free as we focus on you. In Jesus' name, give God some praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.